Profiler Faithful. It's Matty Kiwoom. Welcome to episode 30 of The Game Plan. Please hit that like button and leave a comment on the show. And make sure you subscribe to the Player Profiler YouTube channel. Gang, get your pens and papers out because we have a great show lined up for you today. We're talking rookie draft strategies. So let's get into it. Planners, my guest for episode 30. Well, he has a new role here on Player Profiler, but he's been around the fantasy world for a long time. Some would even describe him as an OG. He is a writer, podcast, and an accomplished high-stakes fantasy gamer. You've seen him co-hosting the Goat District podcast, First Class Fantasy, and the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast you may know him as the long island legend but here at player pro we call him the director of podcasting the og theo g theo greminger what's going on theo what's up maddie happy to be here man happy to talk shop with you we were just talking about kansas city because we're going to be there oh yeah and three weeks from now we will know every every day one and day two pick so it's a little wild you'll be waking up on a saturday just like values going all over the place and yep. and uh and galaxy brain in it it's it's great to be able to talk to you today though maddie yes we're super excited to have you on we're talking rookie draft strategies a little big picture stuff and then we'll break down a rookie uh, draft that i actually a real one not a mock and we kind of dive into the weeds but before we get into the first segment i always hit my guests with a bit of a surprise question so how long have you been playing fantasy football and how would you describe your fantasy management style Oh man, that's a that's a great question. I'd have to think back, not to give away my age, but I've been playing fantasy <laughs> football for for a long time. Um, I would say that my it got a little more intense when I started doing the high stakes with like a lot of skin in the game. And I would say with that, you know, that was maybe for wow, going on uh, you know, ten plus years here, wow. fifteen years yeah. of that. Uh, and then I had my like big breakthrough high stakes uh, season was twenty nineteen where I did very, very well and, and kind of made a little bit uh, of a name for myself. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I've been playing fantasy for a long time before that. The Sort of the dynasty uh, side of it was a little bit later for me. Yep. And it became like, it's something where it it sort of like takes over because the the redraft, it, best ball wasn't even around. Like right. there was MFL 10, so it wasn't really a thing. Best ball is like kind of like new-ish, like a bunch of like, People listening to this, they're going to say, well, I've been doing MFL 10s for forever and all that kind of stuff. Right. But we, we, it wasn't as big. It was more like the redraft side. And then Dynasty started like really being something that was like all encompassing where you get the, the addiction to it, where you think yeah, about your Dynasty teams all year long and it just doesn't turn off. So the Dynasty just got to be more and more and more for me. Um, I still, I love both things. I love redraft. Uh, I love Dynasty. I really, really enjoy best ball, and I do a yeah. lot of it. But Dynasty, it's just like it's like the thing that keeps you up at night. Oh my god! I mean, I'm the same way. And a lot that's kind of been a through line here when I ask that question because everyone kind of starts with redraft, but once they're kind of addicted to the redraft and what they love about it, then they're introduced to Dynasty. And like you said, you truly get to pretend like you're an NFL team builder, and year round you can make moves, you can improve the squad, you can do all these things, you prepare for the rookie draft, just like they're preparing for the NFL draft, and then after that, you you know, you know, can kind of take the reins, so it's a lot of fun, Dynasty's the best, but how would you describe kind of how you manage your Dynasty teams? Are you are you trade happy? Do you like to stay pat? I, I would say that I, I'm an active trader, 
I don't trade, can. don't trade just to trade. Um, but I do not like standing still. Mm-hmm. I think that there's I'll give a, a hat tip to to Sean Siegel, um, who is, you know, one of the one of the main Rotoviz guys and an yep. extremely sharp guy, but he has a kind of a saying that I think is true that dynasty trades in your league that you are not involved in in some way or another, you're losing an edge. So being an active trader, having good communication skills with your mm-hmm. league mates, and just being willing to being willing to get a, a, a deal done leads to future trades. Absolutely. Um, and you're not sitting on an asset that's going to lose value necessarily. But I think that the that the the sharp ones in in any kind of fantasy football structure are being willing to say that I'm wrong on something and being willing to get out from under. And it's mm-hmm. not, nothing's more true in Dynasty. I think sitting around waiting for the value to return can sometimes just be a be something we don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's. I would say that I'm active, and I'd say that I I want to be involved in a lot of trades, and I want to be able to communicate with my league mates. I think that the leagues that you have decent relationships with people are the the dynasty leagues that you're more often not going to do better in. If mm-hmm. you're just some lone on an island guy that just turns down every deal and is unwilling to, you know. Perhaps sacrifice an edge here or there in order to get a big future deal done. I think that that's kind of a a big downfall for a lot of players. So yeah, Maddie, I'd say that I'm active. And in terms of my builds, I'm a sucker for wide receivers. Me too. Yeah, yeah. I love wide receivers. I I think that I've had a lot of success with taking shots on younger wide receivers. I think you'll talk to a lot of dynasty people who will talk about the positional scarcity of running back, how we want to just draft running back after running back, and certainly there's an argument to that especially in a format like the FFPC that I play a lot in. But I think when you hit on those wide receivers, especially in the back half of the first round, mm-hmm. that's how you build these these just elite dynasty builds. I mean, think about the Justin right. Jefferson years, the DK Metcalf years, the AJ Brown years. These guys that go in the end last year with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson weren't quite back end of the first round, but they were like six, seven kind of guys. Mm-hmm. When you hit on those kind of picks, you build these unbeatable dynasty teams. So I'm willing to mm-hmm. embrace the wide receivers um, often. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. There's something about the uncertainty of running backs on a you know year-to-year basis that makes me a little uneasy. So I tend to gravitate towards building around wide receivers. Here in the gameplay, we call it getting your dragons because when you're invading the neighboring villages, like you do in Clash of Clans, you want to have them dragons to kind of run ramage. So I'm right there with you. And I, I, I completely agree about trading. A lot of times the guys in my leagues, whether it be home league, whatever, they, they'll say, well, you know, why do you make so many trades? What is this? And then when they can't get a trade done, they're like, why do you get all these trades done? And I don't, I don't. I'm like, because even when I'm turned down, I get information. I'm building the relationship. We're talking. I find out they have no use for this receiver. I find out that they're trying to get younger at tight end. And then all of a sudden I pick some off the waivers or I make another trade and I have this surplus for a young tight end. I go back to that guy and we hammer out a deal. So staying active, you get that edge that you talk about, you get information, and then you make deals where you're not just stagnant and just hoping and praying that value comes back, the points come back. So I am I think we would have a lot of fun in a dynasty league together because we kind of have that same way of thinking, so that would be a lot of fun. It's funny, Matty, you say that the um, how your your league mates will say, why did you do this? It's It's always funny when you see somebody being critical about a trade, like how could you let that guy go for that in like a right. league message board? And you're like, did you even consider offering for that player? <laughs> yeah. If it's a player I really like, why wouldn't you offer for it? And they'll say, you know, it was a stupid trade. It was a stupid trade. But, you know, all you don't know in Dynasty the way people value everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, like. So true. Valuation of guys, like 
when you start, everybody's going to have probably the same top two in startups right now. So, you know, course. Jefferson and Chase and non-Superflex. But if I had 10 different player profiler writers write down their top 20 in Dynasty, we're going to have so many differences and even slight differences. And that's mm-hmm. going to lead to different valuations and the chance to make trades. So yeah, I'm with you, man. Make a lot of trades, Maddie. Be known as a guy who's willing to get deals done. Mm-hmm. And it's going to help you long-term in your league. Yeah, there's nothing worse than when you see a trade happen, you go geez, he went for that? I didn't even get into the room. I should have thrown something out there. I should have made that text because you never know. So absolutely, we're both active, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, but we're, let's get it right into the rookie draft strategy. But before we get it cracking, let's find out about the Breakout Finder. Oh, hey, it's a Mr. Breakout Finder coming at you. The Breakout Finder features three key tools a database of metrics that includes speed score, college dominator, breakout age, but also breakout finder only stats like dynamic score, level of competition, teammate score. All of these things are part of the overall breakout finder algorithm that pinpoints the probability that a player will break out. Everyone's talking about my model does this and my model does that. Well, we give you the data points that go into the model. We have a feature that lets you compare players and then we give you the precise probability of every wide receiver, every running back sorted and filterable by class year. So when I'm talking to my friends and I need to show them why I'm so bullish on player X, I pull out the breakout finder and bam, there he is. So go to the app store, go to Google play. It's five bucks to get the breakout finder. And then a couple extra bucks to get some of these additional enhanced stats, go download it and thank me later. Breakout finder is awesome. Maddie. It's the best. Breakout Finder is fantastic. It's such a good tool. I had uh, Dario Ofstein on last week, and we did a deep dive into the Breakout Finder. Oh, it's such a fantastic tool. I highly recommend going to get that, right? It's the best. The Dynasty Dominator app and the Breakout Finder app are just must-haves. They work very, very well on your phone. Oh, yeah. Um, it's They're kind of like invaluable apps um, mm-hmm. that, that I think that more people need to know about. So we highly encourage you just because we work for player profiler. That's not the only reason. Like I use these apps all the time. Doesn't matter the, the, it doesn't matter the level of the dynasty league, the entry fee. I'm still going to cross reference, uh, you know, our apps when mm-hmm. I'm, when I'm trying to evaluate things, they're just fantastic. Yeah. I'm saying, and I only started doing content with player profiler a year ago or so, maybe even less. I was using these tools far before I ever worked for it because they are that good. If you get a trade and you're at a barbecue, and you're like, ah, oh, shit, I can't get to my laptop. Boom, you bust that bad boy out. You bust out the Dynasty Dominator. You can look at their lifetime value. You can look at the Breakout Finder. You can look at all these things on the road, on the mobile app. So absolutely go ahead and download that. Theo. But don't, don't trick and trade, though, fellas. Don't, don't trick <laughs> yeah, and trade. I've had, never, I've had some bad experiences, but I've had some good ones, too. You never know. I look at my phone the next day. I'm like, huh, we got that close to Justin Jefferson. Oh, I was offering this. Maybe... Maybe I can get that done after without having a few uh, brouhaha's and a couple of shots of tequila. There you go, Maddie. My first question for you, Theo. What is your overall view on rookie picks? Do you like to hoard them? Do you like to trade them when you're, when you're trying to win in season? How is your kind of overall view of rookie picks? I generally want to have rookie picks. I want to be able to go into the season with... I want to have some extra 2024 picks mm-hmm. when I enter into my seasons. Um I think it gives you greater flexibility as the season moves along. And I think oftentimes, even if you're in a win now mode, you're better off making your trades, your big, big trades for veterans in season. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to be able to identify the teams that need to rebuild, that need to accumulate picks, 
you're going to see certain managers that thought that their team was a contender and then they get to week six and they're like two and four. Maybe they don't want to put it together and try to claw their way back. And I think those sort of managers you can kind of take advantage of and make right. a, a, you know, a deal. So like your 2024 second is going to be worth a lot more in five months than it is today. Right. Um, especially the future picks though, Maddie, because I feel like people always think that they can reaccumulate them. Like if I treat my future second, I'll be able to grab another one. Um, but I think if, as the, we get closer and closer to the rookie drafts, they, they uh, gain value. So I don't, mm-hmm. I, I want to have rookie picks. Um, but that being said, I, I don't want to be scared to trade them away when the money's on the table and I have a chance to go make a big move. Right. Yeah. That's kind of the balance. I think I don't hoard them. I certainly don't hoard them. I am probably more on the side of trading them away than hoarding them. But I do agree with you. I like to kind of play both sides of the fence, especially in dynasty. And now's the time of year, like you said, to buy those 24 first, those 24 seconds, because in season, all of a sudden the teams that thought they were contenders that aren't, they are going to clutch those things and white. Knuckle. They're going to hold them tight. They're not going to get rid of them. And in season, if you're a contender, you trade for some now, and then they turn into fun coupons in a few months where all of a sudden you can add players that get fantasy points now for picks that aren't going to do anything for months. So you don't want to over, uh, you know, you don't want to hoard them. You don't want to like overvalue them. You want to make sure you have some extra so that you can, like you said, in season money on the table, you're trying to win. There goes my first, there goes the second. And now I have these two studs. It's going to help me get the championship because I think there is a, a little bit of a fallacy about fantasy because it's like a proxy of another game. People think it's easy to win when you play with dogs, when you play with the, the you know, a good group, it's not easy to win your league. So when you smell a championship, you see it in your view, sometimes you got to go out and you got to grab it and you got to make sure it happens. Yeah. At the end of the day, you also want to win some money here. Entry fees add up cash. and you know, you take down your dynasty league. You've, you've paid for it for uh, you know, a few seasons. So mm-hmm. go for the money when you get a chance, but at the same time, uh, be cautious when you're making these moves and, and be mm-hmm. timely with them. And I think another good thing to do, Maddie, is we see so many trades go down during the rookie drafts as people are moving up and down. Mm-hmm. If someone is trying to trade up, let's say you're sitting on the 104 and somebody tries to move up from like the 109, whatever they offer you, try to get a couple of extra 24 picks on top. Nobody's going to, if they're aggressively trying to move up for your 2023 selection, most people are willing to throw in that 2024 third. You know, some are willing to turn it, throw in that 2024 second. And those sort of picks are when you could accumulate a bunch of seconds and thirds, it makes the trades you're going to make during the season a lot more easy. Are you the type, like, let's say you have that 104 and the quarterback that you kind of value falls to you there. And you're like, okay, we're in super flex rookie mock. I want this quarterback, but someone throws you a godfather offer. Are you kind of beholden to your pre drinks and the guys that you want, or are you willing to say, you know what, this deal is just too good to pass up. I know I wanted this quarterback or this running back or this receiver, but I got to move back. The value's there. Super flex is a little funny because super flex, like godfather offers don't match up for the truly, truly elite quarterbacks. Right. So like there's literally no offer like a trade calculator win for Patrick Mahomes is not necessarily a win for your fantasy team. Um, you know, we saw a trade go down this week with with Josh Larkey, um, a friend of Player Profilers, used to work at Player Profiler, and he sent a deal where he sends like Josh Allen um, and a couple of like seconds and thirds, and he gets back uh, uh, Deshaun Watson 
and like a 2024 first and a 2025 first. Like that's not a good deal. Like Josh got taken on that one in my a opinion little bit. because you can't make up for it. Um, it, like, it, but when it comes to quarterbacks in the rookie class, yes, I think I I would be willing to move back. I I don't think that this this class has a Trevor Lawrence type, a mm-hmm. Joe Burrow type that that seems like you know, a surefire thing. I think that there's there's quarterbacks in this class that are going to be NFL starters. But if somebody wants to overpay you for any of these quarterbacks, I think you're you're willing to do it. And I think you can also pivot to a veteran, Matty. Mm-hmm. You can get, uh, you know, a, a starting NFL quarterback who's very insulated that maybe has at least two years left starting and get picks on top of that and pivot off of one of these guys. That's not the worst strategy either. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not afraid to take these guys. I think that there'll be a number of NFL starters out of this class, but at the end of the day, yeah, I'm, I'm Godfather me out. I'll cash out for one of these guys. Who's your favorite quarterback of the four for fantasy? So my favorite for fantasy is Richardson. Anthony Richardson has the highest fantasy outcome of any mm-hmm. of these guys. And I think people saying that he doesn't, it's a disingenuous bet. Uh, the, the fact is if he gets top three draft capital, top 10 draft capital, even, There'll be pressure to start him. It, it just naturally happens. People can say he's Always. so far away, but it happens every year. You know, the guy, if he goes to, to Vegas and he's behind Garoppolo, they can have a plan to start Jimmy Garoppolo for 12, 14 games, but it doesn't always come into fruition. If teams start losing, there's the pressure to play the young quarterback. And NFL team, NFL coaches are self-preservation type guys. So mm-hmm. if I'm losing with a veteran, I might get fired. If I'm losing with a rookie, then it usually buys me a little bit of time because that's usually part of the franchise's game plan. So like Richardson in his outcomes will rush for a lot of yards. If mm-hmm. you can run for a lot of yards, you will be a big time fantasy producer, whether or not he's a real life good quarterback that has no effect on us in fantasy football, right? Richardson doesn't need to go 10 and six for us to win our, our league. But if he can go out there and run for 10 touchdowns and 900 yards, then anything he passes for is just icing on top of the cake. He's going to be a top eight fantasy uh, scorer. The one thing winning and losing does for us as dynasty managers is it insulates these guys. So there is a little bit of worry that a guy will be looked at as a non-NFL starter and then he loses a lot of a lot of value. But in terms of actual on-field production, it's Richardson for me. Mm-hmm. My number two is probably CJ Stroud. I okay. like Stroud. Um, I think Stroud to me... I think his 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 outcome that would be like a bullish outcome would be like a Kirk Cousins career arc where he's never going to be a top, you know, six fantasy scorer, but he'll be in that quarterback 10 to quarterback 18 range for mm-hmm. a lot of his career. And for Superflex, that's a very value, valuable guy. Uh, Will Levis, I'll, I'll, I'll give Cody a lot of credit. Cody's on him. Oh, yeah. Um, Scott Connor, another guy who I really respect in Dynasty is on Will Levis as an NFL starter. So I think Levis will get an opportunity as a starter but I don't like him as much as those two guys as a fantasy asset. And then Bryce Young, I think, is fine in Superflex. In a single quarterback league, I don't think he's ever a guy we're going to start. Um, yeah, single quarterback might be tough for him because he doesn't have that rushing ability. He doesn't run. He doesn't run and he's small. So yeah, it's and like, he's going to need the weaponry around him. He's going to have to have some big-time receivers to really kind of pop, where I think, you know, we talk about Le- Levis can kind of elevate those around him with his arm talent. Richardson, we just saw Justin Fields be the number five quarterback on a points-per-game basis, and yeah. he threw for, what, 2,200 yards? Yeah. He went crazy. And Richardson, obviously the most athletic quarterback in our database in the history of quarterbacks, 
he has that range of outcomes. So you got to put him number one. And I do like the Stroud-Levis conversation for 2-3. It can kind of be swayed given the day. But Stroud, he's one of those I think we could see a really uh, a high outcome from him if he's in that Joe burrow s situation where he gets that wide receiver one and then a good wide receiver two. And then he has weapons all around him because he's very, very accurate. He's going to put the ball he needs, and he's we've seen his capabilities chucking the rock with absolutely dynamite receivers at Ohio State. And if some NFL franchise, probably the Panthers, if they go with him one-on-one, they're going to need to put those weapons around him to truly get the most out of him. He would probably be the guy that in, if I needed a, to draft a quarterback out of this class and start him this season in my dynasty league, I would probably go with Stroud. I just I just mm-hmm. think he's going to be okay from the start, and I think he'll he'll put up QB2 numbers. And like, you know, Bryce Young, you could probably make an argument for as well there. I just, again, I have concerns about the size. I think Stroud, those, those concerns are, are a lot less. And mm-hmm. he, and he, and I agree with you. I think if you put the right people around Stroud, I think he'll be fine. Yeah. So the next question I want to ask, and obviously uh, where you're at in the draft kind of indicates what your team is looking like. If you're the back end of the first, you were a contender the year before. If you're in the front, you were probably more of that rebuilding roster. But do you kind of look at your roster and kind of make that depict that that classification before your rookie drafts? And if so, do you attack the draft a little differently depending if you're a contender or a potential rebuilder? I don't like to... When it comes to the back half of the draft, I want to take the best available player whenever I can. Right. I think like for me, my team situation kind of goes out the window. I think that if you're in a pure rebuild mode, you want to try to shy away from running backs whenever possible. Right. Just because you want the longer term assets, you want to accumulate picks. But at the end of the day, if I believe that a running back I pick at the end of the first round is going to be the best pick that I can make, I'm going to make it. I don't want to get too cute i want to take the best possible player i think you when it comes to if you want to think about your players like in a in a tier you can let you know positional needs kind of break ties but i I don't want to get too cute in the back half of the of the first round and i think it's also important that just because i won the year before that doesn't mean that i need to sell out to go for two years in a row Mm -hmm. because if i have an aging roster I still want to, you know, I want to be fluid. I don't want to get older and older and older with these teams. You really, it's, it's hard to recover when you have too many aging assets. So Mm -hmm. I want to be kind of, I want to be kind of fluid in that back half of the draft. And I hope that's not a confusing answer, but generally I want to take the best available player. Um, I don't want to let a positional need, you know, sway me. I think that we see mistakes made time and time again in fan in dynasty. When people say, I need a running back, I need a running back, I need a running back. Uh, and they force one, and they avoid some of these wide receivers who have just been absolute hits in the mm-hmm. back half of the first round. Yeah, and the, and let's face it, you can be wrong. Trying to predict the future tends to be a tough process. We're not always right. So if you think you're a contender and you draft just solely on need, you get an injury, all of a sudden you're not a contender. You All of a sudden you lose a couple guys. I mean, imagine a couple years ago you had ETN, Dobbins, Akers. You were feeling good to go. You lost all three before opening week. So you can't necessarily know what you are. So I like the idea of being flexible, taking the best player available, and kind of navigating your the waters that way because you can't be – too sure whether you're a rebuilder or 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 a contender until you're in the thick of it. And to your point about aging superstars, man, missing the exit with one of those guys can truly screw you over. If you have an off ramp, a chance to get off of a player before it's too late, and you don't, all of a sudden 
you're going to be on that highway forever. You're going to have to ride it to the wheels fall because the values ain't needed to trade. So I think you make some, some great points there. Let's just say you're in the middle of the round in, in the first round. So you're not necessarily a favorite going into the 2023, but you're not a rebuilder. You got a pretty decent squad. You're right there in the middle of your draft. Is there an ideal way to start your rookie draft? We talked about receivers. Uh, and so in the one QB, we're not looking for QBs. Are you ideally looking for a receiver in that middle part of the first? Or if someone falls, are you okay to take that Jameer Gibbs or someone of that nature? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think if in the middle of the first round in Superflex, I think it's it's actually a pretty good spot to be at. because Yeah, Superflex, definitely, yeah. And then even non-superflex. So non-superflex is, is a little funny this year, but I'm very into Zay Flowers. I could see him making a big impact this year. Uh, I like Jordan Addison a great deal as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that we're going to like the middle of the first round a little bit more after the NFL draft because the, the Bengals running back situation, the Miami Dolphins running back situation, there's a number of landing spots, specific places for running backs that's going to elevate them. So we don't want to get too landing spot dependent in our evaluations, right. but there's going to be that chance for instant volume and instant role for a number of these guys. So I like the middle of the first, Maddie. We're talking. You want to talk superflex or or go to we the can other talk side? one QB because I think superflex. You nailed it. You love the middle part of the draft because you're gonna get the opportunity at Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, which could be easy. You know, those are the, the second and third wide receivers in this class, and then. Jameer Gibbs could slip. If you get that Bijan for QB run, you know, Hendon Hooker gets first round draft value. All of a sudden he's creeping up into that 107, 108 range. So let's keep it to one QB where it's a little bit more flexible because I think people can easily take that information and apply it to Superflex because the players there will probably be, be, uh, be better. Yeah. So again, I think that there's Quentin Johnston is the guy that I, I think has some bad outcomes uh, yeah. potentially. And that scares me a little bit, but there's, I think that he's a guy that if the NFL t tells you what they think about him and he lands well, I'm open to that. So right now I would say that I like Zach Charbonnet a lot. I'm probably pretty high for him, even for, for, for player profiler people. Mm -hmm. um, I think Charbonnet kind of profiles as the kind of guy who's going to have a very safe and effective NFL uh, career. Cody's compared him to David Montgomery, and I think that's absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. um, he's a bigger back who can catch the ball. He's ready to go. Uh, so I think he's going to most likely be gone. But if for whatever reason, he slips a little bit. He's, he's a guy that I really want to embrace. I think that there's a situation where he could get drafted as like a perceived handcuff to a veteran running back, and that could kind of push him to the back half, to the middle mm -hmm. or the back half. So like if he lands as like the RB2 in, in New York to Saquon, or the RB2 in, in Tennessee, something like that, where people say, right. I don't want any of that. That would actually be a, a place where he's going to become a great value um, because he would be one year away, but he'd also be like the most valuable handcuff in football. Um, and then as we go to a little bit later in the, in the first round, there's like this complete block of running backs where certain guys are going to, going to rise up, but I'm open to Devin a chain. I know that there's a lot of people who don't really like a chain, but I, I am bullish on him. I think he can absolutely fly. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that he's a dynamic, exciting player, and I think he's an outlier because of his weight. Um, but I'm yeah. basically uh, Cody can kind of make fun of me a little bit, but I like I like Gibbs, I like a chain. Give me all these tiny little running backs. I I, I really like him in this class. And then you know Roshan Johnson, Israel Abanacanda, mm -hmm. these guys we want to we want to see them both land on day two, and I think those two guys could kind of insulate themselves and settle in nicely. Both backs with size, 
And then I play a lot of FFPC, which is tight end premium. It's my my place I choose to play Dynasty. And when we see uh, Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid drafted among the first top the first twenty picks in the NFL draft, those guys are going to solidify in there. And it's difficult to kind of roster rookie too many rookie tight ends. But I think that this is a transformative special tight end class. And in across my dynasty leagues, I want to have some exposure to these guys. I think mm-hmm. that both of those guys could end up being tight end ones for a long time. And then I'm also willing to embrace the the athletic guys behind them, the Laportas, right. uh, the Musgraves. I, I like these guys. I even don't want to not have, and certainly now we're going a little, little lower in the draft, but I'm not opposed to taking Darnell Washington a few places mm-hmm. because he's such a beast, such a great athlete. And I think all it takes is one NFL coach that views him as something of a weapon. And I think he could be a very useful player. Um, you know, we saw how like Mo Ali Cox had success um, right. and like g- g- here and there. But mm-hmm. imagine if it was an every down Mo Ali Cox, like as a young player, like that sort of thing interests me. So I'm kind of, I think right now, if me and you were trying to predict rookie drafts, I'm actually working on this article and it's a little difficult where I'm trying to predict the first round of FFPC non-Superflex Dynasty Leagues. Oh, those are fun. Once, once you get past seven, there's like some question marks, but I, that doesn't mean I think that like that the back half is is bad value. I think it's actually just kind of flat mm-hmm. till, the, till the middle of the second, but I think it's a very strong range. And I think a lot of the times the uncertainty in like the ping-ponging of the players, people kind of just want to be out. So it yeah. doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just they don't want to make the decision. They don't want to have to evaluate player X versus player Y and then execute their decision. They'd rather maybe just back out and let someone else deal with it. But I don't think that is bad at all. Uh, but let me ask you a direct question here. Would you rather start, and this is a one QB format, so we're not really looking at probably quarterbacks here in the first or second. Let's say you're right there in the middle. Would you rather start uh, Zay Flowers and then in the second round follow it up with a Israel Abana Kanda Tank Bigsby? Or would you rather start with a Zach Charbonnet and then follow it up with a Josh Downs or Cedric Tillman type? That's a really, really difficult question. Um, but uh, like to me, like Charbonnet and Flowers are two guys I, I really both both want. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you tell me I could have the Was Flowers. That Sophie's the... Choice? What's that? That that, that it's conundrum? Not, it's, it's not you quite. You pick one of your babies here. Who are you picking? <laughs> Charbonnet or Flowers? It's not quite Sophie's Choice level. But it's uh, <laughs> it, it's it's difficult. Um, Charbonnet is a guy that I've kind of like stand for. Mm-hmm. Um, where I, I again, I I think he's going to be a successful player. But if I, gosh, uh, Zay Flowers. I think if there's a guy in the in the rookie draft that two years from now everybody's like, man, I really wish I would have taken that guy where he was being drafted. It's Flowers. I think he's just so dynamic. I think a lot of teams are going to potentially feature him and he could be an absolute weapon in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, so however you want to compare his comps, like he could be like a Steve Smith level career, but you, if you squint, he looks like a smaller Debo at times when the ball's mm-hmm. in his hands. He had almost 60 rushing attempts in his career at Boston College, so he's got that in his game as well. In like, who do I think is going to get drafted earlier in rookie drafts? If Charbonnet lands well, Charbonnet is going to be the 104. Um, yeah. In a non, I think if he lands very well, I think it's going to be Gibbs at the three, Jackson Smith and Jigba at the two, maybe flip those guys. Right. And I think Charbonnet will be the four. The three running backs. Yeah, that would make sense. Flower is going to go somewhere like five, six, seven, depending on on your league. Like Jordan Addison and Flowers, I want a ton of. And I also want a lot of Zach Charbonnet. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess Maddie, Sophie's choice wise, I would go with the flowers of Anaconda yeah. side in that trade. Yep. But I, I really like the Charbonnet side as well. I just think that when you tell me I can get a Banacanda that late, it kind of would sway that trade because I think a Banacanda could really work out well. Um, I know Cody has some concerns about him in terms of just his vision, um, some some things like that. But I think that he's a younger back with a ton of athleticism. He had production. I actually think he'll rise as long as he goes on day two. Right. Yep. Shout out to 1912. I absolutely do have that Flowers fever. And so and does Flowers- our... So does Dan Williamson, 1912, from the Goat District. (laughs) Save flowers. So people, I think, get a little bit too enamored with the early declares. I know why it makes sense, why you want those guys. He went back to college, but it was for good reason. And I think sometimes you have to applaud a young man's decision. He went back and had the best year of his college career. And he went back and he's talking about round one draft capital. If he would have come out last year, he's going against Chris Olave, Drake London, Garrett Will. uh, Garrett. Wilson, he's not in even in the conversation for round one draft capital, in my opinion. I think we're looking at him more in the second round of the NFL draft. So sometimes early declares, obviously we like those. We like it. We like them having that in their profile, but you can't discount a guy like Zay Flowers and his ability to truly ball out. And the Zach Charbonnet, I know I'm kind of talking about both of your guys here. When his kind of when people talk about him as being David Montgomery and they scoff, give me David Montgomery. I mean, David Montgomery's been a fantasy producer. So I want those fantasy points. So, yeah, if we're going to go that route, okay, so we're going to go Zay, and then we're going to go running back in the second. I like that. So, Theo, what are some of your, your sleepers in this class? I, I think I would lean towards the the tight end group because mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people are going to gonna be off of off of tight end. Uh, in terms of, like, deep, deep sleepers, I think Sean Tucker is very interesting. I'm interested to see where he's drafted. But he was a dynamic uh, mega producer at Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that he's a guy that – if he lands in an interesting spot, I think he could be like a round four guy that we really like. Um, so I like Sean Tucker, and then I, I'm I'm in on these I'm in on these tight ends. I really am. I think that yep. they're it's a great tight end class, and I think that there are certain di- if in your dynasty league, especially for non tight end premium, you're going to have managers who just don't want any rookie tight ends. You're already going to no, have a right. yeah, like a third of your league is going to be off of the tight end position. They would rather take the chance that one of these running backs land uh, has a you know, a path to a, a handcuff role or a path to a third string role. They're going to take a chance on a wide receiver who maybe isn't a great bet. Um, but I will be taking some of these tight ends. And I don't want to have, especially in the FFPC where we have a 20-man uh, roster, I don't want to have multiple rookie tight ends on the same team. I think that's a poor bet. But on most of my FFPC ro- rosters, I'm going to have a rookie tight end. I think that that's a great way to kind of maximize your, your round three pick. Because a lot of times those guys will still be there in round three where the running back position has been like picked apart. Uh, and then in terms of like real, real sleepers, I, I, Deuce Vaughn is super interesting. I love Deuce Vaughn. And I know that's your, language, that's, baby. that's, that's your guy, Maddie. And you like pushing him into like, when you, when you came on the goat district, you pushed him into the second round I had to. Yeah, of a I had super to. flex draft, which is just so, sicko shit. But, <laughs> uh, but I'll say this, like, People will look at Deuce Vaughn and there's a chance that he's like a team's third down back from the word go. Mm-hmm. Like he steps into a team and he's catching, you know, 40 plus passes as a rookie and he, he just has a role. So like, he's not the kind of guy that he's not the kind of guy that I think is ever going to be a truly, truly impactful guy. I think like his outcome would have to be like Danny Woodhead where right. he's going to have like an, right. like and betting on that or like peak, peak, peak Darren Sproul type season. Betting on that is is a poor bet, but I think that he could be an RB three 
spot starter. And I think he's going to get pushed down because of his size so much. And I do think he's a guy that I'll get super cheap in rookie drafts. I don't think people are going to push him up. Um, but I think that like he's got such a specific skill that NFL teams value mm-hmm. that I think he could land in a, in a nice spot with a creative offensive coordinator. I might be in on that. In terms of like betting on deep sleeper wide receivers, I usually don't like doing that. I don't like trying to trying to bet on outlier wide receivers that go super late. I think that that oftentimes those guys can just be roster cloggers right. and they kind of never develop through. I want to get my my wide receivers as day two kind of guys. I know that there's three of the best wide receivers in football right now are Stephon Diggs and Tyreek Hill and Amon Ross St. Brown. So more people are kind of diving into those like day three wide receivers, but I just think it's a difficult, it's a difficult bet to make on those sort of outliers. Yep. No, that is a little bit, a little bit nerve wracking, but to the Deuce Vaughn point or even Sean Tucker or one of these tight ends, if the, if you're a rookie, I mean, you're using a rookie third or fourth on these guys. I mean, your risk is so low. Yeah. And a rookie third or fourth is like, you're, like you said, your risk is so low. Like the hit rates for these guys is extremely low. If mm-hmm. if your if your third round pick is on your roster in a format like the FFPC two years from now, then you've made a, a really nice selection. Mm-hmm. Um, so like be willing to be willing to be wrong. Um, but don't you don't want a guy that's just don't don't like try to try to hit singles the lower you get in drafts. Like yeah. you think about guys like Pacheco. Pacheco was such a fantastic pick for people. But if he would have failed, it was a late pick. So mm-hmm. like those guys are already outliers if they if they if they win. And I think also a lot of times, Maddie, I could just I'm willing to trade those are the picks I'm willing to just trade back for next year because right. it's like a little bit of a of a cherry on top of a trade offer where I might get more done with like my 2024 fourth being able to just throw it on top of any trade than I would be using my 20. Yeah. Than using a 2023 fourth. Yeah. That makes sense. You you know, if you could trade out and just get anything in 24, you're really just kicking the can, but the flexibility in which you could keep it or trade it, that might end up being more valuable than the dart throw that you take there. You mentioned tight ends and it could be a very special class. I mean, if you look at our rookie draft guide, which I highly recommend you check out, make sure you're subscribed and and, and get the, the, dynasty deluxe package or the all-in package and get it all use the promo code maddie or theo and get get a little bit of money off and check out the rookie guide because cody and a couple of us we put a ton of work into it and it looks fantastic i know you tweeted out yeah. yesterday this rookie no, guide is balling no it's it's actually like it's fantastic and you it's guys fantastic. should be very you should be very proud of your work um and i'll get i give cody a big a big shout out because yeah. he's really like cody I like I talk to a lot of people throughout all these podcasts that are some of the best at, at fantasy analysis for these rookies. And they can talk shop with you on, you know, quarterbacks and running backs, wide receivers and tight ends. But Cody is so deep into the NFL draft process that he's able to to talk any position with you mm-hmm. and do it in an educated manner. And he's willing to flag plant his guys. He's not um he's he he has I was going to throw use a bad word. He's not he's not one of those guys when it comes to, you know, analysis. Yes, He'll actually yes. he has he let's say he has conviction uh yep. or you could say he has balls when he's talking about his guys. So, I think he does a fantastic job. He's a, he's a huge asset for us and uh this uh was kind of like this this guide it looks it just visually it's it looks fantastic and mm-hmm. it's very very detailed. It has some comparisons that are going to help you out. Even if you're a redraft player, I think it'll help you out. And just in terms of under, understanding this class. 
And in redraft, I think it could almost help out even more because the value you can get on sleeper rookies in redraft, sometimes you can just absolutely hit it through the moon and just and hit some home runs. Um, so I don't always like to give Cody compliments, but Ketchup Randy, you killed it on this. You, it, this is fantastic. But to the tight end point, uh, if you look at the rookie guide, we have, I believe it's eight uh, tight ends that we project to be top three round NFL draft picks. Yeah. So you know those eight guys, and then we have a smattering of guys that we think will go in the fourth round. So we're talking potentially 10 tight ends being pushed into the NFL that could have roles in this next two or three years. And what I've been doing, and I would love to run this by you, in my tight end premium leagues, I have been throwing out trade after trade after trade to get late seconds, thirds, these picks that people kind of perceive as garbage because I'm trying to just revamp the tight end position, try to grab, even if I can get two or three of them and kind of just take the shotgun approach to see if one does hit, boom. Now all of a sudden I, I didn't invest a whole lot and I got a, an asset that I can really hold on to and use to win. So uh, is that a good strategy? They kind of grab those thirds, those seconds, wherever, depending on your league settings to, to, to grab the tight ends. Yeah, I think that's absolutely good, good uh, strategy. And I think you're right. I think this is a transformative class. I think the NFL clearly loves this class. And I think eight mm-hmm. is a safe bet. And I think there's a chance that it could be more than eight in the first, yeah, fr- first two days. If because a run like, happens, all of a sudden they all get pushed up. Exactly. You And you you get to, you know, if there's 15 picks left in the third round and there's eight tight ends have already gone off the board, you're going to see teams potentially trade into that third round to get that next, you know, the Smice mm-hmm. or the Mallory types guys, maybe the guys that we're not valuing as much. Um, but it's a very, very deep class. And it's it's one position where you do see these guys who are later picks really break through. I mean, you think about like the George Kittles, the Darren Wallers, these guys were not like premium draft picks and they've been impactful fantasy players. So uh, it's a very interesting, and Mark Andrews, Obviously, mm-hmm. Mark Andrews was a was a fourth round pick, I believe, or a fifth round. Yeah, pick, and he was so. the second tight end taken in yes. that draft on the Ravens. Yes, absolutely. So, um, shout out Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst yeah. got the got the draft cap, but uh, Mark Andrews had the career from it. So, and they're both starting. So they're 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 both still starting the league. So they were mm-hmm. obviously both very good draft picks. But um, I think that's fine strategy. I think that you run into problems where if you say, you know what, I know one of these rookie tight ends is going to hit. So I want to roster three of them. Mm-hmm. I think then you could run into problems because you might have a couple of dead roster spots and basically just have kind of development tight ends on your bench. You're better off taking shots, especially if you're a, it's, it's kind of easier said than done. If you have one dynasty league and it's a 35 man bench, you can ignore what I just uh, said. Right. If it's right. You can get, roster everyone. You're rostering CFL guys. Take it whoever you want. You know, if it's yeah. some sicko deep format, but a lot of leagues that are like 25-man, 20-man, I want to be selective. I don't want to roster more than one. Um, I want to you know, take my shots. And you, it's okay to like a few tight ends in this class. You don't need to say, you know, I'm going to – a few years back, it was the, the Friermuth class um, with Pitts. Mm-hmm. And I had Friermuth in pretty much every single league. And that was just a big bet made on a guy that I thought was like can't miss. And he was so much better than all the tight ends behind him in the class. Mm-hmm. But with this class, there's a like, I really like Michael Mayer. I really like Dalton Kincaid, but there's a chance that that next tier is going to have the best fantasy asset from it. So Mm -hmm. I'm willing to take shots on multiple guys from this class. I don't think that that makes you into 
uh, you know, a lack of conviction type dynasty manager. I think it's just, you know, kind of spreading out your shots on these guys. And of course, there's one guy if you want to have 40% exposure to go ahead for it, you know, go yeah. and take that guy a bunch of times. But don't put all of your eggs in one basket with this tight end class. Be willing to uh, invest in a couple of these other guys. 1912 in the chat says that I am a Jason Kelsey doppelganger. Uh, a Kelsey twin? Well, just so you know, I am absolutely a 92 percenter. I am part. I love the heights. I love, I love those two brothers. And, you know, Travis Kelsey is one of my favorite players, if not my favorite. So 1912 Fantasy, whew, you're the man's for that. One last question before we move on to the second segment. What are some veteran targets people could use or, or target for, I mean, basically target the target if you decide to pivot and trade out of your pick? Like, what are some veteran names you think you could get for, let's say, the 108 or even a, a second round pick? So for non-super flex, um, you, when you start talking about the mid first, those picks are going to be very, very appealing to people. Uh, I think that when you start talking about like the 107, that's a great pivot to try to get one of these aging running backs that might have two years left. I was able to get a trade done um, where it was like a 107 Nick Chubb type trade. I, I had mm-hmm. to put a little bit more on my side, but I also got a little bit back on the other side. It was right. the two main pieces, 107 and Chubb. I think that kind of makes sense. When I start pivoting back into the second round, if I have a win now team, I can go get a guy like Tyler Lockett for a oh, second yeah. round pick. Yep. And I think that based on his age and pr- production, I think that that's the kind of trade where both people might be pretty happy. If it's a team that's not in win now mode, they might be trying to get out of that one. Uh, I think Aaron Jones is very interesting for a back half of the oh, first love round. That. Love that. Aaron Jones is a guy I had. It's, it might might happen, but I've t- in like a super flex league, I've had somebody think about the one twelve for Aaron Jones, mm. where I could I could use Aaron Jones and and he's kind of an aging back gets into it. Then when you get into the, your third round picks, um, you know there's these a number of these running backs where a Jamal Williams type, I might be able to use Jamal Williams this year. I think he's going to gain a considerable amount of value, but he's an older back who's not as polished as like the Nick Chubb tier. He's clearly yeah. tears back. But I think like if I'm in a win now mode, if I could flip my third for Jamal Williams, I'm doing that. Mm. And then when you go back even a little bit further, I like trying to see if the Samaje Piran manager wants to get rid of him for like a throwaway pick. Because Piran's got a role right now. Javante Williams is banged up. Uh, I think that that's a pivot you can make. And then some of these veteran tight ends, I think that you can you can kind of put it together and try to go get a veteran tight end because there's a lot of people like Maddie and I that are very, very bullish on this tight end class. Right. I might be able to pivot off of a, a, a pick that might go for a rookie and end up with a tight end that's a veteran. I could go get a, a David Njoku, I think, is a little bit beat up after the Elijah Moore trade. Not beat up, beat up, but I think he's not – his path to like a number two target in Cleveland is has gone kind of out the window a little bit mm-hmm. with the additional target competition. I think I could go get a, a guy like David Njoku. I've been able to get trades done for Evan Engram um, using second rounders. Like these sort of veteran tight ends – you, they're there for you to make a pick for. I mean, a trade for. Yeah, and I, I love the r- r- running back calls. Like, I just traded. Uh, we haven't started our rookie draft yet, so it's a, a true pivot. It's an early pivot. But I was able to trade a third-round pick for Deontay Foreman. Yeah. So those type of guys, you're trying to grab them up. And if you're seeing a lot of mocks where a, a running back's taken highly to a certain squad and everyone's believing that the, the person there is going to be pushed aside and that it hasn't even happened yet, those tend to be the targets I go for because all of a sudden it was like, no, I don't want Jeff Wilson. They're going to draft someone in the second round. And then they don't. And you just got Jeff Wilson for a fourth. You get some value there. 
And I will say he's not a guy that I'm pounding the table to go trade for, but James Conner is pretty much free free right now. Because people have all these fears about Arizona. You might be able to get one more year out of running back two production out of James Conner. And I think that that's like Arizona players are like a falling knife. Like a lot of people are trying to get out of those guys. DeAndre Hopkins is cheap right now in Dynasty, much cheaper than he's been. He's older, but he's got some outcomes. Hollywood Brown, uh, a year ago at this time, you know, was a lot worth a lot more than he is now Mm -hmm. uh, because of the Murray situation. But all Hollywood Brown did is go out and just completely ball for the first half of last season. And then he got hurt. And now he's kind of a beat up asset. You can go trade for him. So there's there's always pivots for veterans um, when you want to make them especially when you're on the clock. If I was going to go pivot for a veteran, I'd want to wait a little bit because people are going to want to dive in there during the rookie drafts and you might be able to to just quickly pick apart that manager that's trying to move up and just find those sort of assets that you know are going to give you some startable weeks this year, if not start for the whole season. No, that's great advice. And sometimes just overall thoughts on, on the draft, just taking, taking the chance to pivot out. Like it, you don't always have to get young. You don't get bonus points for youth. You get fantasy points for production. So if you can get out and you're not interested in the sleeper in the third, but you can get into a running back who's going to have a role or a receiver who's an injury away from being the number two target getter, you know, the, sometimes those pivots are what can truly turn you from a pretender into a contender. So and Maddie, gonna... your your pivot, all your pivot call is great. You can also pivot young because you can just yeah, you can pivot young. Like you can go and. We talked about it this week on, on the Go District pod. We had Scott Connor on. Um, Scott was also on Mind and Mansion recently. He's very, very sharp with his dynasty takes. Yeah, Scott's awesome. We talked about pivoting off of, you know, even like the 102, 103. You might be able to go get Chris Olave, go get oh, Drake, right. yeah. Drake London. Yeah. Like those pivots are there. And we didn't even talk about Jamison Williams. Like Jamison, the, I saw a 107 for, for Jamison Williams happen in an FFPC league. And it was a very, very good manager that was trading Jamison Williams. So there's as much bullishness there is about William, uh, Jamison Williams. There's still somewhat a little bit of fear from some managers. So if you don't like Quentin Johnston, mm-hmm. you could trade that 107. You might have to put a little something on top and go get Jamison Williams. And I'm not saying that every manager is going to make that, but I would say that there's probably a third of dynasty managers that would pivot off. So it's like going you can go trade for some of these young veterans and it's a great way to stay young, but we we're pivoting off of these picks. So you can do it both ways. That's a great call too, because pivots, you know, pivots initially when we were talking about it, we're kind of, I was kind of thinking more late first or later seconds, thirds, but you're right. If you, you can go for the high end pivot. If you're, if your target was JSN and you had the 103 and he goes at the 102 and you want to trade the 103 for Garrett Wilson or Drake London Plus or something like that, I mean, you could absolutely get off of this class and still get a young, talented guy who's just not a rookie. Sometimes we get so excited about the shiny new toys where there's someone who's maybe younger than the rookies we're drafting in the NFL and they get forgotten about. So that's a great call there that pivots come in all shapes and sizes and they come at different ages so uh, i really really like that now before i let you go i would be remiss if i didn't get your opinions on a personal rookie draft that i did you know someone with the dynasty and the fantasy mind of the og the og i need to get some of your opinion here so i'm going to share my screen for all you guys watching and if you're listening on the pod go over to youtube and check out the video because then you can get the full look at what i'm talking about this is a real rookie draft that i just did and what i would like to just quickly say I know it's a little bit 
messed up on the screen, but I wanted you guys to be able to see the whole thing. So you just got to track it. Whereas the top row and of both of these separated parts are the first round, so on and so forth. And I had the 112. So I made some trades. This was a startup from last year. And I traded back in the first round. I was able to accumulate 23 firsts. So I had the 108, the 109, the 112. 205, 212, and then the last pick overall, I had Mr. Irrelevant at the 512. I drafted Jordan Addison, Jalen Hyatt, Kendra Miller, Roshan Johnson, Dalton Kincaid, and Charlie Football. This is a 12-team Superflex best ball draft. Uh, so first off, what are your overall thoughts on my draft? Well, I like the Jordan Addison pick a lot. Um, I'm just trying to trying to read the board here because it's so funny, Maddie. When you look at it, it looks like you selected or you did select Henry Miller. Yes. But I'm I'm going back to it. I like the Jordan Addison pick a lot. I think that that's a really good one. I think that he's a extremely safe safe player. Um, and I think that his range of outcomes. I think the guy could be a like a long time wide receiver too. And I think NFL teams will value him a lot. The Hyatt pick, I would have I would have gone Zay Flowers there. I think if you want to go wide receiver, that would have gone Zay. Um, especially where Charbonnet's on the board there. Um, I'm not in love with the Hyatt pick, but I think he's going to have the draft capital to kind of prove everybody wrong. Um, I think it could be a, I don't think it'll happen, but I think that there's there's some range of outcomes for him that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. The Kendra Miller selection was, was, was interesting because I would have rather seen you get Charbonnet who went a pick before. Kendra Miller has, there's a lot we liked about him. You know, he's 215 pounds. He's not even 21 years old. Mm-hmm. He kind of looks the part. I worry about a guy who didn't test because we didn't see the testing. But I think that that pick could work out really well for you. Um, and then in terms of the – I love the Roshan pick. I think that was a really, really good pick. And then getting Dalton Kincaid there at the 212, I think that that worked out very, very well for you. Um, I would say a Banacanda two picks later must have been kind of enticing. Yes. But you but you had Roshan and Kendra, so I think that there's a few pivots I could have made, but I think you did you did very well with it in terms of getting Kincaid, getting Jordan Addison, getting Roshan Johnson. Uh Kendra Miller is like a little bit of a wild card pick for me right now, just because I don't know enough about him, even though I love the way he looks on film. Um, and then Hyatt, I think the the for me, I will go with Zay Flowers over Hyatt all day long. Um, but I don't think I think you did pretty well with this one. I just think there was a couple pivots you could have made, but I think you'll walk away and, and a couple of these guys are really going to hit for you. So I did take Don Kincaid. He was the second tight end off the board. Uh, this was before Abanacanda's pro day. So that's the only thing I'll say there. But I will completely agree with you on one thing. Immediately after the draft selection of Jalen Hyatt, and I'm probably higher on Jalen Hyatt than most in the industry. Uh, I'm kind of just, I, I tweeted this out a couple weeks ago. You ever watch uh, Men in Black, Theo, the first one? Yes, I, I know Men in Black. I actually saw, I saw, I remember seeing that in the movie theater when I was a kid. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So there's that scene in the beginning where Will Smith hunts down the alien. So he gets the, he hunts down the alien. They give him the card to go to basically Men in Black tryouts and he tests poorly. He just does not hit on any of the criteria that they're looking for. But afterwards, Tommy Lee Jones looks over at one of his colleagues and says, Yeah, but he caught that alien. And that was enough to get him into the men in black. And that's kind of how I view Jalen Hyatt. Like he didn't test as well as I thought he would. I thought he was going to run like in the four threes. I thought he was going to look a lot better as he did it. But at the end of the day, he might not have tested well, 
but he caught that alien. He dominated Alabama in a huge SEC matchup, and I can never get that out of my head. Having said all that, though, I 1,000,000% agree with you. I should have gone Zay Flowers there. Looking back at it now, it only just it just opens the wounds that were starting to heal, and now it's fresh again because I do think had I looked back and had Addison at the 108 and Flowers at the 109, oh, I would have been really excited. And even that, I mean, I could have maybe even got Hyatt at the 112 and gone Addison, Flowers, Hyatt, hit it with Rocha on the 2-5, and I think that is a much stronger draft. Uh, so I will agree with you there. Now, of these picks, what is what is your favorite of the picks I made? Because I, you know, I want to hear some good stuff about my team. Well, I think that my favorite of the picks is Kincaid. Okay, um, cool. Because I think that I'm guessing this is a very deep format. Yeah, it's Maddie. pretty deep. Yeah, yeah. Like to me, like Kincaid is going to have a really big time fantasy outcomes because he's a move tight end. Mm-hmm. His health has been cleared, and I think at the end of the day, he's going to get drafted by Washington or Green Bay in that top twenty. So I think he's going to get top 17, top 18 draft capital uh, with his profile. We have to start getting excited. Like, I love Michael Mayer, but Michael Mayer is a big-time blocker. Mm-hmm. Um, Kincaid doesn't profile like that. Pro- he profiles more of like a, a guy who can move all over the field, uses a mismatch. And I think that the fact that he's – there's not going to be an, an offensive coordinator that's going to just say, hey, Kincaid, we're going to make you an inline guy. And we're going to take you away from a lot. I think he's going to be right. treated more like a wide receiver. And I think if he lands correctly, I mean, even if he lands to, to like Green Bay, I think he's very, very interesting um, because they, there's a, a there's a, a lack of target competition. And I think he could step right in, especially with a young quarterback like Jordan Love. Oh yeah, those those tight ends like Kincaid could be like a safety blanket. As much as we love Christian Watson. He's not going to get 160 targets. It's not in his profile. Correct. So I think that it's uh, whoever Green Bay drafts, or they draft a receiver, we have to move him up. If it's Kincaid, I think you're feeling great. But I think even if Kincaid is not drafted by Washington or Green Bay, he'll go close to that. There's too many sharp uh, pro- projection people having Kincaid go inside that top 20, top 22. All right, so I mean, when you look, I did have five picks in the first two rounds, three in the first, two in the second. Do you, when you see that kind of chunk of picks early, should I have pivoted off and grabbed a veteran? I didn't even explore the market at the time, so I'm kind of mad at myself for not even trying. But with all those picks, 108, 19, 112, should you think, do you think I should have pivoted off and grabbed a, a veteran? Well, not necessarily. I think the one thing you could have done is I think you could have moved up and, and, and try to package picks. To get mm. a, a premium asset, like just based cool. on based on where uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba went in this draft, where he went at your one hundred six, yeah. So like that, I think mm. if when he when a player like that starts falling, I would have been willing to to trade like the one twelve and your one like the like Addison and Kendra Miller right to get Jackson Smith and Jigba, especially when you see a couple of these running back values. I think that would have been my the one like to think over when you start seeing a a premium player like that slipping, then you could be aggressively trying to move up. Uh, But again, I don't know the context of your roster. I don't know the context of the league. I don't know if that manager is willing to trade, but I would have at least tried to go and make that move when, especially when he slipped there. Cause I think at the end of the day, like JSN is, is such a good player and such a fantastic prospect. I think he's probably closer in value to like the one Oh four in, in this sort of format even though mm-hmm. it's super flex. 
So to get him at the 106, I think would have been worth you moving at least like the 108 and the 205. And it would have been probably worth you doing like the 108 and the 112 and move up and then maybe get a later pick. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And the guy actually who does that did make the, the JSN selection, I got a pretty good relationship with him. I probably should have made a try at it, but you know, there's a long off season. Maybe I could uh, rekindle some of these. These maybe you shoot him. We'll maybe see. you sh- maybe you shoot him a little offer with uh, with Addison to try to get JSN. Yeah, just sneak yeah. in there, try to snatch him up before the NFL draft. Because that, yeah, that that that's true. I probably could do something like that. Last question about this draft. Give me a grade, Theo. What do you grade this hall here with uh, six draft picks in the rookie draft? Well, you're my boy, so I'm going to grade up a little bit. <laughs> All right, well, I, I so think I'm going to give you. Points. I'm going to give you a B because okay. you didn't take you didn't take Zay Flowers and you took you took oh, Jalen Jalen Hyatt over over Zay. You had two opportunities to take Zay Flowers. You passed up on him twice. Oh, so I'm going to have to give, give me I'm a B Theo for that. That looking back on it, oh, I'll give, I'll give such you such a bad know, move. We'll, we'll lower it to a, to a B minus B because you're my boy. <laughs> well, I appreciate that because oh man. That's one of those that I wish I could absolutely have back. But I would absolutely love to have you back, Theo. This has been an absolutely dynamite episode. You're super sharp, one of the best in the industry, and a fun hang. So you're the perfect guy to have on the game plan. So please, please come on back. And before we sign off for the day, just go ahead and tell everyone listening where they can find you on Twitter, where they can get all your content, all that good stuff. Yeah, so you can uh, find me at the OG Fantasy on Twitter. Um, you can find me on Tuesdays on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast with the Podfather and Alan Soslowski. Um, you can find me on First Class Fantasy with Billy Muzio. And then you can find me in the GOAT District uh, every single week, um, which Matty uh, joined us on a couple weeks back. We had a lot of fun. That was um, fun. And uh, then I have another podcast uh, starting called Press Coverage that will start sometime in April. It's going to be another player profiler podcast. So, uh, yeah. And then you can find my written work um, on playerprofiler.com and you can find me. Uh, you can find me talking to Maddie in about uh, three weeks Yo. at the NFL draft, man. Whoa, that we'll is going to be, we'll be the be most fun thing we'll ever. We'll be in KC repping. We'll be repping. Can't wait. But make sure you check out all of Theo's stuff. But I highly recommend checking out his articles. He's done some real deep dives into some actual dynasty trades and the, the content you've been pumping out i mean they're always great but those articles of seeing the process in real time seeing how you did it oh i love those articles i think they're so valuable for for gaining knowledge in fantasy no i like having transparency and uh you know i'm when you when you come and ask me my team name in in these leagues it's usually greminger i i don't hide out maddie i'm, I'm out there i'm out yes there. All right. Well, that's today's show. That's episode 30. Uh, make sure you like this video. Subscribe to the Player Profile YouTube channel if you're not already. Leave a comment and boost this show's YT algo. Help your boy out. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Matty Kewum. Follow all of the Player Profile TikTok accounts at Player Profile and Profile underscore NFL. We're going to have a ton of content as we get closer to the NFL draft. And like Theo said, we're going to be there, baby. And if you love fantasy football, and I'm sure you do, make sure you are joining the Player Profiler Discord where you can see me, Theo, other members of the uh, Underworld talking fantasy 24-7. Check out the Trade Gods with me and Jason Allwine on Thursdays. Check out the Players Lounge. Cody and I will be recording some episodes this week, so look for those to drop. Cannot wait. Keep on game planning, my friends, and I'll see you next week. Peace.